Hello, welcome to the IDEAS podcast. Inclusive, digital, educational, anti-discriminatory alternatives. You're listening to module one, Gender and Feminisms, Women's Studies Against Patriarchy. Episode two, Gender. Today we talk about a very important category in feminist political activism, but also in feminist theory. It is the category of gender. Gender we will use to mean a social construction of sex. And we'll go very briefly into how, historically speaking, it came about that this category be used in feminism. When in the mid-60s, Robert Stoller was searching for an adequate term to designate all the factors which are exercising influence on identity formation of any individual, apart from anatomical or physiological factors. His choice was to borrow a term from linguistics or grammar, to be very precise. So, as opposed to, at that time, male or female sex, he reappropriated the term gender, the term which would designate the full diversity of all the social factors that will build the identity of any newborn child. And sex, as opposed to this, would designate the anatomy or the physiology of a newborn child. Just a side remark, Stoller's research was an attempt to answer what determines the decisions, most probably decisions of parents, doctors, institutional, personal, etc., the decisions to assign by surgical procedures male or female sex to a small percent of newborn babies born without defining anatomical genitalia. Now we go to feminist theory. The term gender was used for the first time in its feminist theoretical and its feminist political meanings by Kate Millett in her 1970 published book, Sexual Politics, when she emphasized the socially determined elements, factors, features in the identities of women and arguing that this was not predetermined. This was definitely not the first time that a difference between biologically determined and socially constructed factors regarding sexuality was articulated. For instance, let's remember the research of Margaret Mead in the first half of the 20th century and many others. But it was then, after the publication of the 1970s, now famous book Sexual Politics, so it was then that the use of the term gender, owing to its political, social, context exploded. It was picked up by most humanities and social sciences. It spread like fire. No research after that remained the same. As if you looked with another set of glasses, you saw things differently. The term gender was recognized, praised, acclaimed as an analytical tool by many feminist theorists, Joan Scott, Drusilla Cornell, and many others here in Serbia and Yugoslavia also. The main, the key outcome, and this is very important, of this standpoint of using the term gender as a social construction 
of sex is that the discriminatory practices, the systemic discrimination is not natural. It's not predetermined. Therefore, it can and should change. This decisive theoretical realization, at that point only theoretical realization, was followed by political steps. And that was one of the most important strategical moves for women and all using the category of gender today. However, it is important to note that feminists continuously assess their strategies, discuss and debate. This is especially so in theoretical discussions, which are based or should be based on arguments. And although they can lead to disagreements in the long run, this moves the processes towards accepting more and more anti-discriminatory practices. For example, in the case of the category of gender, critical assessments as early as 80s pointed to the fact that the category of gender was identified and typically understood to mean woman or presented to mean women in general. But actually, it meant for the most part and usually white, heterosexual, usually socially privileged, etc., etc., women. This was, of course, effectively exclusionary, which means that many feminists pointed out, wrote and spoke about it. For example, bell hooks in the case of African-American women, Adrian Rich in the case of lesbian women. This way, feminism outgrew and hopefully will continue to outgrow its limitations. Today, to make an important contribution to the points made, just made, and the discussion about the importance of the category of gender, we will discuss transgender issues. With us today is Alexa Milanovic, assistant professor at the Faculty for Media and Communication in Belgrade. And I would like to welcome Alexa. Thank you. We will start by asking Alexa, what exactly is the meaning of the term transgender? Perhaps you may want to also follow up with the response to the question, is there a meaning which you mostly prefer? And are there any other ways to define transgender? The floor is yours, Alex. Thank you. Being transgender means that your gender identity and uh, or your gender expression differ from socially conditioned gender norms related to gender and sex, which is ascribed to you at birth. Uh, the term transgender was coined nearly 60 years ago, and it was used in some medical scientific papers. So this term originated in medical discourse, but it was not frequently used in that context because uh, most common terms in medical science and practice were transsexual, transsexualism and transsexuality. Uh, in the early 80s, uh, transgender activist Virginia Prince, uh, among other activists, of course, uh, popularized this term and soon after, activists uh, adopted this term to denote transgender community and transgender movement. Over time, the meaning of this term has changed. For a time, it served to label trans and queer identities and persons who doesn't want to enter medical transition, and later it became the umbrella term for 
as uh, trans theorist Susan Stryker said, and I quote, all identities or practices that cross over, cut across, or move between socially constructed sex and gender boundaries. I think that it is a good definition, even if Susan Stryker wrote it almost 30 years ago. Since that time, our transgender community developed and invented uh, a lot of new terms, but also we abandoned and reinvented and redefined a lot of terms in order to find out the best description and the best term to define and encompass all individuals who are not cisgender. Today, a lot of the previously used terms are not in use anymore because of their connections with uh, medical discourse or because they refer to gender binary as a starting and final point of our gender journey through life. In activism and in a trans community, we are trying to popularize terms which are not pathologizing or outdated, uh, but I don't think that transgender is either of those two despite its origins. Why is that? Uh, well, because in the past five decades, transgender community inscribed only affirmative meanings in that term, so we embraced it as a positive label. And I want to add one more thing. When it comes to terminology, it is very important to use terms the transgender community use and approve. Also, if you ask yourself which term to use to identify a specific person, it is important to ask that person which term is adequate and to respect that. I identify myself as a transgender or as a trans person, but earlier I used the term trans man, uh, and now, of course, I prefer to identify only as a trans or transgender. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa, for clarifying these important issues. Now, let's move on and see, would you agree that the transgender identity has for some time, and is still today, at the center of heated debates worldwide, but also regionally and locally? And if you agree, why is that? Transgressing gender norms was always problematic for uh, cisgender majority of people, and especially for those who do not like to challenge imposed boundaries of binary gender norms. Heated debates about transgender identity started at the point when transgender people tried to integrate themselves into other communities and then when tried to be part of them without hiding their trans identities. If we talk about the debates within feminist circles, they started 40 years ago with the criticism and attack on trans women who were part of women collectives and who entered women's spaces. Ever since then, there has been a branches of feminism that challenges and even deny trans people's right to self-identification and bodily autonomy. So here uh, we are talking about the global, but also the local context, because also in Serbia, there were feminists who spread transphobia. But it was not always so prevalent and visible, since transgender people were not visible and present in public discourse or within feminist organizations as they are today. Uh, also, it is interesting that uh, in the past few decades, most of the people uh, didn't notice those debates since they were confined mostly to activist spaces or in academia. But in the past few years, transphobia were introduced by some famous and influential people on social media and in a mass media. 
At the same time, the anti-gender movement started to rise and to gain more power globally, which helped spread transphobia. And about your question, why? Well, I'm not sure that I can give you the right answer because transphobia is irrational fear. It is aversion, it is anger or discomfort felt or expressed toward trans people or anyone who does not conform to social gender expectations. People who believe that sexual characteristics are biological fact, which define our gender, cannot accept that this is not true and that this is not a fact. Debate started at a point when trans people become visible and started to fight back against that, this opinion. I'm really sorry about all that is happening, especially in our local communities and especially in feminist local communities. And let me just briefly uh, comment uh, that, as I said a couple of minutes ago, sadly, feminism does have a history of exclusionary practices. Some would even say that was not feminism. Uh, but we do have to recognize the fact that feminism at the beginning of the second wave did deny the identities of African Americans or people of color, generally speaking, did deny homosexuality, did deny lesbianism and so on. So hoping that uh, in the future, feminism will recognize this um, approach or attitude towards trans people just as one of the sad episodes in its history. So let's go back and ask um, once again just to uh, be clear about this. What are the arguments in these debates? Well, it is very simple. Uh, in a nutshell, as I already said, some people believe that our sex and gender are defined by some set of biological characteristics and that biology and medical science can easily define our gender and sex by measuring and classifying those characteristics. According to that belief, we should belong to one or another sex and gender category. And if we try to transgress those categories, we will be accused of faking our identity in order to gain some advantage or worse, in order to do harm to others. Counter-argument is that sex and gender are both social constructs and both are malleable. According to that argument, our identity does not depend on those categories. Precisely. And thank you for summing it up for us. To come back to our own community, can you tell us what is the position of transgender persons in our country, in our own communities? And which rights, if any, have transgender persons been denied here? Trans persons in Serbia are facing discrimination on a daily basis. They face harassment in their homes if they live with their family. They face violence in school and they are less likely to get a job unless they are hiding their identities. One of the biggest problems for trans people in Serbia is the lack of accessible procedures for obtaining personal documents that correspond with their gender identity. Due to the inadequate personal documents and lack of legal definition and protections of gender identity, trans people face serious challenges in exercising their rights in all spheres of life. 
Centralized pathologizing and insufficient trans health care is one of the main issues for the trans community in Serbia. All of the trans health care is centralized in Belgrade, the capital of Serbia, and functions on a monopolized approach of a few authoritative figures in medicine. The medical staff in health centers and hospitals are still uneducated about trans issues, which usually results in unpleasant situations, denial of care, postponement of care, inadequate medical treatment, and discrimination of trans persons seeking any kind of medical help. Uh, also, female hormones are sold illegally, and shortages are very common, especially now during COVID-19 pandemic. In order to change their legal documents, trans people are conditioned to go through hormone therapy, which is at odds with Article 8 of European Convention of Human Rights. Healthcare system is incongruent with the new standards of World Health Organization, which remove transgender identity from the list of mental disorders. Uh, trans people suffer discrimination and stigmatization of being considered psychiatric patients by medical professionals. And as a consequence of that, the wider society also discriminates and stigmatizates us. The increased visibility of transgender people in the past decade has been accompanied by an increase in the level of institutional and general social transphobia in Serbia. The mass media, through which the population of Serbia is mostly informed about transgender people and transgender issues in general, have a significant role in spreading and encouraging transphobia. Texts in print and online media are usually the only source of information about transgender people that reaches the citizens of Serbia. Most of these texts contain very offensive and outdated and inadequate terminology. Besides the media, there are organizations that spread transphobia and advocate hatred and intolerance quite loudly, primarily towards trans women, but also towards all other trans and gender variant persons. Thus, the majority of the society and right-wing organizations were joined by persons from the left-wing and some feminist organizations who advocate transphobic views, using them as arguments in defense of the gender binary norms, actually. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa, for this detailed explanation. I do hope that the matters here are going to improve. And uh, before I give you the floor for the final question, I'd just like to reiterate that the use of the category of gender as a construct, as a social construct, and therefore also the use of the categories of transgender and so on, is absolutely necessary and vital to the educational programs and education here in our communities. So finally, is there anything else that you would like to add? I just want to add one more uh, information, actually. Uh, trans community in Serbia uh, two years ago founded um, organization, NGO, uh, which is led by transgender people. And it is uh, the collective TALAS, uh, in translation, collective WAVE. So we hope that uh, our movement and that organization will bring some positive changes and open up space for some productive dialogues with other communities and feminist organizations. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa, for joining us today.